You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 263rd edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 864th episode of the Assembly Call. We're catching up to Crimson Cast, recorded on the evening of September 8th, 2022. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. Well, after years of preseason prognostications that have been decidedly and deservedly moribund, this year's prognostications are getting progressively better. Blue Ribbon revealed that IU is their 12th ranked team and the highest ranked Big Ten team. Joe Lenardi revealed that he has IU as a three seed, and that is the highest Big Ten team on his preseason seed list. And Lindy's released its Midwest cover with Xavier Johnson on it that lists Indiana as the number six team in the country. That's right. Not number six in the Big Ten, number six in the country. Now, look, obviously, these preseason prognostications don't mean anything in and of themselves. They're just meant to drive clicks and magazine sales and give obsessive podcasters something to talk about in the offseason. But as we've noted many times before on this show, the preseason predictions are actually right more often than not. Not always, but more often than not when it comes to who the best handful of teams in the country are going to be, give or take a few. And right now, Indiana is being grouped in that handful. And part of getting Indiana basketball back, quote-unquote, to where we all want it to be, is getting used to these lofty preseason predictions, which means the team is routinely backing them up once the season begins. So, may this be the first of many off-seasons to come, in which Indiana is back to being mentioned among the top rungs of the sport, and then actually goes out and proves all the prognosticators right. All right, well, let me now introduce my co-host for this week. Coach Tonsoni is off, but we have a full house. And we will begin to my right. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, taking a break from covering the NFL season opener for us here on the Assembly Call. That's how much he loves the Assembly Call and IU basketball. It's Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what do you have to rant or ruminate about this week? Honestly, I'm, I'm a little surprised. You never go to me first. So this is I'm well, I thought I thought you had stuff bit. to do. I was trying to I, be I do got to pop off. Magnanimous. For a I, listen, everybody watching, I will be back, but I got to pop off after this. What <laughs> I want to do is the schedule has come out. We're going to talk about that in segment two. But. I want to declare, I want to plant my flag on something. And that's the meetup, the assembly call meetup that we will be doing again this year. Uh, I have planted my flag on a date and you guys can either show up or not. And we try and do it on a big 10 game on a Saturday because we figure we'll come in Friday night, hang out with everybody, do Saturday, do the post game show. And then everybody can fly out on Sunday, but also, you know, on a Saturday, people can hang around a little longer, you know, as opposed to Sunday, you got to get back for work on Monday. So we got to do a Saturday weekend game in the Big Ten. Um, 
There's one on the schedule that stands out to me. Uh, Schedule-wise, it's really easy for me if it's not on an NFL playoff weekend because I have to work. Uh, So we're looking right now, the week before the Super Bowl would be February 4th, and Indiana happens to be playing a little team from up north called Purdue. And quite frankly, I think that's the game that everybody wants to be back for because this is the year that Indiana is projected to be better than Purdue for once. I think it's, I mean, we're looking, you know, it looks beatdown worthy and I want to be there for that. So I will be there February 4th. You guys, I'll carry the assembly call banner. You guys want to come, just come on and uh, I'll see y'all there. That's, that's what I think. You guys can do what you want with that. I want to be there February 4th against Purdue. So if we don't show up, you're going to host the meetup and everything. And no, there just won't be a show. You guys can do a show online and I'll just drink. <laughs> like, well, I mean, <laughs> you'll just be there holding it? the banner. Who said anything about a yourself? show? I mean, I mean, last year I just walked into Switchyard and you guys were up on a stage and I was like, oh, give me a headset. You know, it's uh, so no, but I think, look, I think that would be the perfect weekend to do it. We'll, we'll, we will figure it out with schedules and everything, but I think going for a Purdue game, we've done it before. We need to redeem that Purdue game we went for, I think. And uh, I think that's the perfect weekend to do it. I'd love to hear what the audience thinks and what the rest of you guys think. Um, So, yeah, I think that's the one to do. I will say early, we haven't had any formal discussions about this, but it's probably the early leader in the clubhouse. I would say that. We still have to look at the schedule and talk things out, but it is an early leader in the clubhouse for sure. And the schedule does shape up for a lot of options, whereas last year we basically had no options except for one, which is when we ended up doing it. Uh, There may be more options. By the way, we have breaking news here on the assembly call, and it is no small matter. It's a big freaking deal. Megan Mahaffey is in the live chat, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Haven't seen Megan in a while. It's always good to see her. One of our first listeners. We always make a big deal when Megan is here. Good to uh, see everybody, you, I will be back, by the way. I'll be back. Don't worry. I'm not that's running a, away. That's a threat. That is a threat. Uh, okay, let's continue going around the horn here with some opening comments. Uh, and we'll go this direction. The best of you sports coaching. You know that we got them. When it comes to analytic trends, you know he can spot them. For first class bracketology. Want the top, you gotta go bottoms. If you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. That's right. If you want the top, does Joe Lenardi have his own theme music? I don't think so. It's Andy Bottoms, ladies and gentlemen. The Sean McDermott of Girls U Sports Coaching in Cincinnati. President Emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club. Andy, what's your bottoms line on the last week in IU basketball? I mean, he might have his own theme music, but it's it's not by the great Bob Thompson, so it doesn't it doesn't really matter. <laughs> doesn't count. Um, yeah, I'm sure he I'm sure he does. I'm sure they've worked something up for him, but we know it's not as good. Uh, Ryan Tui no, says Joe Lenardi does. It's yakety sacks. <laughs> nice. Uh, hey, Joe Lenardi said nice stuff about IU this week. We shouldn't make we should we should be kind. That's, this is true. This is He's true. friendly. Uh, now excited that the uh, Big Ten schedule's out. I think everybody knew coming in I use was going to be fairly tough at least when you looked at who they had single plays against versus maybe some of the other teams but uh yeah certainly certainly would make for some interesting discussion tonight the uh what has become annual uh, game against Nebraska in December uh right back on the on the docket so got that to look forward to and um but uh, excited to break it down I think the first game or at least the first exhibition game might be exactly two months from uh today I could be wrong about that but i think i'm in the 
think I'm in the Check ballpark. Check John Rothstein's Twitter account to get the exact. I, no, please. I, I, that's, exact take. I, I will not. I will not do that. But but thank you. Uh, actually, I think it was a uh, two months from two months from yesterday. First game is the Monday the seventh. So I was I was close. But uh, exciting. The season's getting close, and, and like you said, a lot of good uh, publicity in the off season. We'll hope that it amounts to something. But I suppose, as, as you said, better to be getting uh, positive projections as opposed to poor or no projections at all. All right. And joining us tonight, our special guest, our back home network brethren from Crimson Cast, fresh off a victorious episode of Crimson Cast after the IU Illinois game. He is our recruiting and name pronunciation correspondent. It is Scott Caulfield. Scott, your opening thoughts. If you want to talk football, man, talk football. We can still bask in the glow of a Big Ten victory. This is IU. There's no statute of limitations on how long we can talk about it. Uh, football, basketball, what's on your mind, man? Good to have you. Thank you, man. Uh, do, do you have the sound of uh, half your listeners being like, oh, I thought it was Galen. Come on. This is bunk. I'm turning off for 20 seconds. There we go. Yes. <laughs> Suck it, fans. You get me. No, um, I was thinking that if you take um, – so you're uh, – the preseason rankings for Blue Ribbon, Joe Lenardi, if you figure a three seeds like 12th ranked in the country, and Lindy, that adds up to 30. You take that times two, that's still more, still like IU football still is ranked higher than that. So we're in a good spot for IU basketball. Um, no, yeah, IU, IU football, man, 1-0, Illinois, pr- probably easily on our way to 2-0, looking at 3-0. Um, you know, hopefully basketball will be there too. No, it's 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 fun to be ranked again it's fun to be in the preseason discussions um and i think given the schedule outside of that little spot in the non-conference we should be ranked most of the year but you can see that you know we're getting a uh with it comes also the the tougher feeling feels like the tougher schedule but no it's it's a great place to start um and you know unlike most years where we haven't been ranked it's good so i it's all good it's a constant, never-ending kick in the testicles. I, I oh, that's football. Scott's, that's definitely yeah. football. <laughs> that, that'll uh, be that'll be coming in uh, November and Oct- you know October, November for football. Just wait. I wonder what he was talking about when when he said that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he was talking football or something basketball related. Football. It was definitely during the Archie Miller 100. era, so it very well may have been. <laughs> Basketball. 100% I mean, really. could have been basketball. Yeah, the, the worst part is that you can't really tell when it's <laughs> what it's specifically pertaining to because you could think of multiple options. It's, it's sad that we've been questions. podcasting long enough that it could be for probably four different head coaches across two different sports. Like, I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, that is very true. All right, well, here's what we have in store this week. We do have a few Hoosier headlines, so we will hit those. And then in segment two, uh, we will do a deeper dive, certainly than is warranted, uh, for the schedule release, but it is the offseason. And look, it's kind of fun just to see how these games line up and see what that may mean. Uh, and then in segment three, as we always do, we will answer your questions. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Yes, this edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, including Crimson Cast, is presented by our friends at Homefield Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere with beloved logos, like two different versions of the bison. And look, the weather is starting to turn. Football is starting. You need to make sure that your winter wardrobe is ready to go. And I speak on behalf of 
all of our hosts and probably everybody who has ordered from Home Field Apparel that you absolutely need the hoodies and the crew neck sweaters for the winter. And I'm not just talking about like one or two. Like you really need one of each for every day. That would be 14 garments. But that way you have options for each day. If something gets dirty, if you have children and they spit up or they spill on you, you have options and you want to have options. And at Home Field Apparel, you have tons of them because not only do they have those for Indiana, but they have them for 140, 150 other schools. Right now they're releasing shirts uh, every day commemorating a different national champion. They've always got something fun going on. If you're a Colts fan, they've got a Colts line. So Home Field Apparel, they just continue expanding. Their materials do great in the wash. The colors stay, you know, alive and fresh and popping. Uh, and, I mean, even better than that, Connor and the team, their IU grads, the whole thing started because of their love of Indiana sports and the state of Indiana. And now they've grown into this national behemoth that is just going to take over college sports apparel. But they've got Humble Roots. It's a great company. They've supported us for a long time, and we love supporting them. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Use our promo code HOME to get 15% off your first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off, assuming that Coach and Scott and Galen leave something for you. Because between the three of them, they've probably ordered everything. Uh, so, yes, go to Home Field Apparel. Wear one for the team. Uh, okay, guys, let's roll through a few headlines. Uh, I mentioned uh, Lindy's has Indiana ranked number six, uh, which is awesome. I think we're all excited about that, but recognize you know what it means and what it doesn't. More importantly, let's talk a little recruiting. Uh, Scott, your favorite topic. Uh, we did get an update today on Arrington Page, uh, who is really kind of the, the hottest iron Indiana has in the fire right now. You know, obviously some guys like Jamie Kaiser and others that Indiana was going after chose to go to different schools. Arrington Page from Georgia uh, is, you know, one guy that Indiana has been in hot and heavy pursuit of uh, and would really, you know, complete a nice trio uh, of a class. Uh, with Ja'Kai Newton and Gabe Cups. Well, the latest update from Eric Bossy, uh, there's kind of a question now, is he a package deal with Isaiah Collier? Uh, if he is, uh, and that's a guy that you know he has played with, obviously, previously, a good friend. If he is, then it looks like USC or Cincinnati is in the lead because they are the top candidates for Collier. Indiana is not recruiting him. But here's what Bossy says after that. He says, Indiana, Miami, and Missouri are also in the mix, and Page has seen all of them as well. Of that group, the behind-the-scenes intel suggests that Indiana is in the best position. With Collier, the prevailing thought as of today is that USC may be edging ahead of the pack, and from the sounds of it, uh, from the sounds of it, all involved with Page do worry about the Trojans. Still, this one seems to be a little too close to call uh, the Trojans the outright favorites just yet, and it wouldn't be a surprise if Page picked the Bearcats or the Hoosiers. So maybe, <laughs> uh, and you know, really this is one I think a lot of IU fans had kind of felt was leaning in our direction. Uh, and that maybe the, the momentum is fading on it a little bit. We'll wait and see. There were reports. I think Mike Schumann from the daily Hoosier reported that, uh, Indiana staff was out to meet uh, page recently. So we'll see Scott, your reaction, uh, on the importance of the Arrington page recruitment and what you make of this latest report, if anything. Sounds good. I look forward to seeing him in Indiana Jersey in the fall. Um, and can he shoot threes? Um, yeah, you're, he's not, you're, you're he's asking, not a three point shooter. He's a he's a springy big guy who will probably take a few years to develop. But he's a good, a really good program player that the staff obviously likes and wants a lot. Yeah, you're asking the wrong guy. I mean, I I, I will keep I up with the Yeah, it's 
It, it, I w- the only thing I have to say of recruiting is I went to a Pacers game last year against the Cavs and watched Darius Garland drop like 45 on the Pacers. And it's like, damn, I wish you would have. I remember, I re- this is why I hate recruiting. I'll let you go. Take a shot, everybody. Because I remember like the stories of like him and Romeo, I think, like standing in front of the banners. And it's like the story was like, we're going to play here together. And it's like Garland and Romeo. It's like, oh, this is going to be great. Like, it's awesome. And then it's like, hey, we're going to Vanderbilt. And then he's tearing up the NBA. So that was awesome. I enjoyed that. He can join the Josh Smith All-Star. Um, yeah, I, I will wait and see him in a Hoosier jersey or a USC jersey when he plays in Assembly Hall. So, yes. Hey, Josh Smith is always part of the IU family. Do not lump in somebody who didn't commit to this university first. Okay? Come on. I, I, yes, my bad. Uh, hey, look, those NBA-style practices of Bryce Drew, I mean, they clearly prepared Darius Garland for the NBA because he's a badass. Yeah. Six games. Um, so, uh, Andy, your thoughts on this. I mean, you know, it, it's one of those things. It's like – I kind of feel like the way recruiting goes now with the, I mean, it's like a 365 day a year thing. We get so caught up in the ebbs and flows and really, I just want to get to November and see what our roster is and then get to next November and see what our roster is. Cause I'm starting to get a little exhausted by it all. Honestly. Yeah. I think it's one of those. You haven't really, uh, I don't feel like you've heard as much about the package deal with the two guys being, you know, links and, and only going to the same school for a while. So that's, uh, glad to see that coming back. But yeah, I, I, I do think it's just some of the ebbs and flows of it as, as you go. Uh, I, if IU goes and meets with them, the tea leaves then may suggest something else and it swings back a little bit the other way. So it, it's all just kind of a wait and see approach as you figure out who they're really zeroing in on. And and I think with the transfer portal and all those things, it probably is easier not to get super caught up in a particular recruitment or the fact that, a, you know, they may or may not get a, a certain guy because it the, the transfer portal for better or worse gives you additional options to, to fill that spot. Uh, if, if you don't end up getting the recruit that you want. Ryan, is it a disaster if Indiana does not land Arrington page? No, I wouldn't say it's a disaster. Uh, especially because they got Malik Renault, which changed the landscape as far as front court recruiting uh, when they did that. Um, I still think this class is it's, I know the staff wasn't super in love with a lot of players in this class, but I also think that there were opportunities they had to add some really good players and they kind of were late to the game on it. Um, It's not a class where you look at and say, wow, they did a great job top to bottom bang up job guys. You know, it's kind of a, Oh, well, you know, uh, and you hope for the transfer portal. Now we've talked about this. We talked about this a couple weeks ago that the transfer portal is going to be loaded this year. Absolutely loaded with talent. And people have been talking about that since last April, that this coming transfer portal class uh, will be big and will be not just big as far as the number, but big as far as the talent available. And so you can lean on that, I guess. But I still think the bread and butter of your program has to be that high school recruiting and creating those pipelines. And uh, I think that's what the best teams do. And then they fill out their roster with transfers as opposed to making that, we need to get a bunch of transfers to fill all these holes. I mean, there there are possibilities you're losing. If all goes well, if you have a great season, you might lose four starters next year, maybe five. You know I mean? That that chance exists. Not saying it's, it's likely, but that chance exists. And so... You can have a good season, but we saw in the Tom Crean era, if you're replacing all of your most important pieces, you're taking a massive step back, no matter how good the pieces you're replacing them with are, because continuity is a thing in college basketball. 
And so that's why every year you see like Kentucky will lose a shocking game early in the year. Why? They're more talented than the other team. Well, yeah, but those guys haven't played together before. You'll see Duke do that. You see, you know, and they're having loads of five-star talent. Indiana doesn't do that. And so I just think that you've got to be able to have waves of talent coming on the roster as opposed to clean slating things every year. And I feel like some teams are doing that now, and I don't think it leads to championships. And so I think if you if your goal in Indiana is to win championships, you fill out your roster maybe with transfers, but the backbone of your problem, program has to be good recruiting classes year in and year out. And I think that they need to, this staff just needs to get to a point where they have those backbone three guys every year, and then you add talent around them. I also saw a report from Jake Weingarten of Stock Risers that Indiana's full staff, led by Mike Woodson, will be in tomorrow, that's Friday, for five-star 2025 prospect Jalen Harrelson. Uh, and so, look, you know, you have limited resources when you're recruiting, uh, and so Indiana didn't put as much toward 2023, but they've invested a ton in some of these young guys coming up in 2025, like Harrelson and Sisley. And so as time passes, we will see uh, if those efforts bear fruit. A uh, couple other interesting notes. DJ White and the great Don Fisher will be inducted into the IU Athletics Hall of Fame. Very well deserved for both of them. DJ White remains... Uh, one of the most underrated and just uber productive big men that has ever played uh, at Indiana. Just, you know, kind of his career was kind of at a weird time, an odd time, uh, but he was such a good player. And Don Fisher has been the voice in Indiana sports for so many of us for so long. Uh, How he is, is he not already in? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I was, I think that I was the general like, reaction they, of everyone. I, I was shocked by that. Are they inducting him for something else other than broadcasting? Like he's already in for broadcasting. Or like naming the Hall of Fame after him, like the Don yeah. Fisher IU Athletics Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, Scott, your uh, your thoughts on the inductions of DJ White and Don Fisher? I'm also with you on the I thought Fisher was in. It, it's wild when they will like do the you know pregame you know hype video for the players, and it's like they'll show clips from the '76 title game, and it's like you know black and white footage. It's like, but Don Fisher is still doing the call. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll also say that um, I think Andrea Benson, a uh, Kent Benson's daughter, um, yes. is also in is going and is going to be the first father sibling, father daughter or father son combo in the Hall of Fame as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's I mean DJ White has a great spot in IU history. I think the last IU basketball player to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I know he, he and uh, him and the um, the guy from Illinois at the time. We're on the cover, a regional cover oh, wow. of Sports Illustrated. Um, he was the I'm last sure. Big Ten player of the year. Yes, um, SI covers. He, he is not. I actually have. I actually have Sports Illustrated covers no, on the wall over here. That's right. And Zeller, Zeller and was on That's one. Right. And Oladipo was on one for before the tournament. That's yes, right. Thank you. But he was wow. the he was wow. the first one. Scott just after, got like, stunned by Andy Bonham. after like Damon. Did. Well, yeah. Well, I, if I didn't have these up on the wall in here, perhaps I wouldn't know, but. Yeah, I think it went from. I would have like gotten Damon, away with it if it wasn't for you, damn kids. Damn posters. I think it went from like Damon Bailey uh, after the one Kentucky game all the way to DJ White though. It had been a while. I don't know that there was anybody in between those couple, but it, it, it had been a while. Well, you know, Inside Indiana also had a cover. I'm gonna try and start naming other magazines. Maybe you don't have on your walls, mm. um, but no, it's great. No, the, the Fisher one is. It's amazing. It's 50 years. Um, you know, he's still as as all of us. You know, being amateur broadcasters, he's still really good i mean he's still really good at what he does um so it'll be a uh 
it's it's always a fun time. And, you know, that's a reason to come back for the football game because they always bring those inductees out onto the field. Um, and so that would be, that'll be nice to see Fisher out there and, uh, and DJ white, but yeah. Going to drop a name here. So in 2012, I was in Milwaukee and I met with the Padres broadcasters at a bar after one of the games. And one of them was Dick Enberg, who got a, uh, who has a degree from IU. And we were just sitting there talking and I asked him, I was like, well, what was your dream job? Because he'd done everything, you know, and he, is there any job you haven't done that you wanted? And he said, I wanted to be the Indiana basketball broadcaster. And then he looked at me and he paused and looked at me and said, but Don Fisher refuses to quit. And so... <laughs> Not retire, quit. And yes. so I, so Don Fisher, uh, Dick Enberg has now departed us. But uh, yeah, Don outlasted Dick gunning for his job for all those years. Andy, any uh, prevailing? Oh, by the way, DJ White also was just announced today. He's going to be a video analyst uh, for Oklahoma City. He, his professional playing career ended. He retired a couple of weeks ago or announced his retirement a couple weeks ago. And now he's going to be a video analyst for the Oklahoma City Thunder, where he played uh, his NBA years, uh, most of them, if not all of them, uh, with Oklahoma City. Do you have a... a Real quick, a shout, out to the, shout out to the chat, Bob. I was raw. It's it's Ashley Benson, not Andrea Benson. I I knew both of them actually working at the YMCA, and I knew Andrea Benson, also a, a daughter of Kent Benson. So I apologize for that. It's Ashley Benson. So my my bad. Andy, your favorite Don Fisher call and prevailing memory of DJ White? Putting you on the spot uh, at the at the same time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you can separate or, them. Your oh, favorite okay. Don like, Fisher call of DJ White? Yes. I mean, geez, that's really, really, <laughs> really obscure. I don't, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I guess I'll say it, for me, it's either the key smart shot or the or the watch shot. Um, yeah, I, smart. I guess I'll say the watch shot, if only because. I actually was listening to Don Fisher on that because I wasn't able to watch the game versus I was watching the 87 championship game and obviously heard the call after the fact, but at least one that was there. I think I, um, I joked that was the, the, you know, the show that you did by yourself for a while, but I joked, I was listening to it on my phone and there was such a delay that my wife called to tell me that they had won. And I basically said, well, I need to hang up with you so I can listen to Don Fisher call the, uh, <laughs> call it. So I guess that automatically makes that the one. Um, you know, I think a DJ White, just some of the battles with, you know, Pruitt was on that that cover, but also I think that was in the, I want to say that was maybe the Terrence Dials era at uh, Ohio State. Just mm. uh, there was there was a big guy at Ohio State that I feel like he kind of went back and forth with a bit. Um, just steady, kind of from the moment he was on campus, was a guy that you could rely on, good rebounder, um, persevered through some of the you know foot injuries and. Uh, things like that to come back and was a, a really good part of um, of of the the Samson team there toward the uh, you know toward the end of his career but uh, yeah always just steady a guy we, we talk a lot of times now about how many guys do you have that you know what you're going to get out of on any given night and he was a guy that you pretty much knew what you were going to get from on, on any given night the closest thing to Alan Henderson uh, since Alan Henderson uh, left Indiana underrated Ryan has a story Underrated Don Fisher call, by the way, was Indiana's comeback and win over Michigan to win the outright Big Ten title uh, oh, yes. with Zeller and those guys uh, the year they, they won. Was that 2013? 13. 
Yeah, that that is a great. If you go back and watch that game, that last five minutes is Don Fisher at his absolute best. Um, obviously, watch out. He's smart. You know, I mean, those those are all the classic ones, but that's an underrated one. Uh, the DJ White story is well. First of all, I will say if DJ White doesn't break his foot, I don't think Mike Davis loses his job in uh, 2005, 2006. That team does well enough that Mike Davis keeps his job. I think uh, he missed all but I think one game that season. If I'm not sure if it was a preseason game or if it was a regular season game, but he played. And then I remember when they played Duke at home, if they had had DJ White, they would have beat him, I think, unquestionably. Um, but as a freshman, DJ had a class in Valentine. And I know this because I almost killed him running down the stairs. Uh, he was wearing his McDonald's All-America jacket. I had to drop a paper off and I'm running down those big stairs at Valentine as fast as I can to get to my next class. And DJ was on the wrong side. You know how people on the right, uh, you, you stay to the right. Like that's it. DJ was, DJ could do whatever he wanted. He didn't have to do that. He was a five-star freshman, all American. He could go wherever he wanted and he turns the corner and a jackass almost runs right into him and knocks him down the stairs. He would have been out for the season um, because just the way it was positioned. But luckily I stopped myself and he said, Oh, excuse me. I'm like, no, no, excuse me, DJ, you please. <laughs> Stairs are yours. It's a really uh, odd way to flex your McDonald's All-American status to just walk up the wrong side on a stairwell. And he had you know, the jacket. Whatever. He was wearing his McDonald's All-American jacket, too. That was the thing. I was like, I because I, I came face-to-face with the McDonald's logo. I was like, I know exactly who that is without even looking up. And it was DJ White. So, uh, But, hey, you know what? No harm, no foul. He lived. He survived. Uh, he got injured the next year. So it wasn't my mm. fault. Okay. Uh, last notes here before we wrap up this segment. This weekend will be the final Tonsoni tailgate. Uh, the great coach, uh, Tonsoni, not here this week, uh, but he is going to stop it. Obviously, you all know about some of the health concerns that he had, and for that and other reasons, he is stopping his weekly tailgate. He's still going to be there, and he'll give us the details. You know, He's still going to have meetups and be at games. He's just stopping the tailgate, um, but this is going to be the last one. And so if you have a chance to get out there, uh, go check out Coach Tonsoni. I think there may be some, you know, some special guests rolling up there. Um, and uh, if you need to know where that tailgate is, just send us a tweet at assembly call or shoot me an email, Jared at assemblycall.com, and I can send you the map uh, where they meet up. And one last programming note next week on Doing the Work, Jeff and Kathy will be talking with Amanda Foster, who is covering IU women's basketball for Inside the Hall this year. That's right, the most trusted and reliable source for IU sports news or IU basketball news, Inside the Hall, adding a little IU women's basketball to their mix this year, which is awesome to see. That IU women's basketball team, man, they were just irrepressible. Just uh, forcing their way uh, into places where they should be anyway. Uh, and so Amanda Foster will be on with the Doing the Work crew uh, next week. Okay, coming up on Assembly Call Radio, it is time to talk schedule. Uh, we finally got the actual release of the Big Ten schedule, the order, the date of games. And we are going to dive into that and tell you what kind of draw. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home? isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! 
And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Uh, Indiana God. Coming up on this summer call Sorry, Scott, I did not see your note until after we already did that. Well, you can ask now because right. we, we break live. Yeah, I know. The, the question would be, how many color commentators have has Fish had in his career as a basketball analyst? I mean, he's had like seven since I was in school. <laughs> no, he's had like four, I think. Yeah, I'm just thinking like the, the, randomly like, the, you know, the, the queen was around for what, like, you know, 12 presidents or something like has, 14. 14 yeah like is it is is over under rest 14? In peace. yes of course god love the queen um as have there been 14 more color analysts in basketball and football, well, you sort of like, football a ton. it's like it we we talked about this at the big lead that how many co-hosts has stephen a smith had over the years at espn it's <laughs> yeah. like he's he's the constant and everybody just <laughs> it's like a turnstile of people since skip Bayless. well it's like the Dick Emberg story is funny because like Jeremy Gray was right after me and Galen in school. And my thought was always like, Oh, well, he's going to be like the, he'll, he'll take Don Fisher's job. And then it's like, he's doing women's games. He's doing everything. And then it's like, now he aged out. <laughs> he aged out while waiting for Fisher to retire. And it's yeah. like, now he's, he's missed that opportunity. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I gotta... it, it, Don Fisher reminds me of like when there's a King of a country and he's King so long that like his grandkids inherit the throne, not his son. Like it's, he's just aging everybody out. Not to bring Queen Elizabeth, like Queen Elizabeth back in, but it's like Prince Charles must've been like, all right, you know, like I'm, I'm 41. Like, you know, I'm going to get to be king pretty soon. And now it's like, Hey, I get to be king for three years before I'm yeah. done. Like, I'm going like, to have 40 years as king. It's like, no, I'm going to be 78. And it's like all the good king years are at the drain. All right. So I got to go bounce out of here for a little bit. Andy, I'll do the intro for the next segment and then hand it over to you. And I'll bounce out. This. If anything goes haywire, just shoot me a text because I'll have the okay. I'll have the window up. Although I'll remove myself. Um, okay, that's fine. I'll uh, uh, I'm gonna assume that I I probably can't also play like sounds through this to take us out of that break or not. Right? You should be able to as long as you have a uh, uh, loopback working. Try and play a sound. Let's see if we hear it. Well, I don't have any of those programs open, so just give me give me a oh, second. It's not a big deal if you don't. Oh, they're just not open. It's not that okay. I don't have them. So let me. Uh, let me uh, I saw Scott. There are two can. new episodes of Crimson Cast to listen to. You did an episode of Crimson Cash, and then Galen apparently Galen. did Tailgate Talk with a little football sprinkled in. Yeah. So we'll look forward to listening. Lots of listening material for IU fans here in advance of the Idaho game. I'm looking forward to the Tailgate Talk. I'm starting. I'm starting to do some tailgates this year too. My son nice. wanted the tailgate. We were. I, I actually had to. Call Galen and get some tips. <laughs> I would think that you I'm would not, have just gotten them by osmosis over all these years of hosting a podcast with him. Uh, th- yeah, but it's like I still want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. I'm I'm definitely not competing with this tailgate. It's just me and my me and my boys. But yeah, he uh, all right, Jared. I get, I get this. That's for sure. I get this open, so I'm going to yeah. play something, and you tell me if you tell me if it comes through. You hear anything or no? No. Make sure that you have the right microphone selected in StreamYard. And if it doesn't work, it's not really a big deal. All right. Let me, I'll try one thing, and then we can... Yeah, try one thing. Um, see if it works here. Yeah, and uh, Coach will be able to come stop by your tailgate, Scott. 
Yes. He'll be he'll be making the rounds at some other tailgates. So it should be nice. And hopefully we see that's the other thing we need to think about for well for the meetup. Yeah, but we can't really do that for the meetup, can we? I was gonna say it'd be nice what? to do it for a football game, but it's too late in the year. Cause then we'd have to do a non Big Ten game, and we like to do Big Ten games. Yeah. Uh okay. I do think for next season we should see if we can do a fall, like maybe a football weekend and do a basketball preview show or something. I mean, we've that talked is not about out of the question before. yet. That's not out of yeah, the question. Yeah, it's just yet. so late because of the price of flights this well, year. That, that is, is insane. So I mean, if like next year we planned it in like April that true. we're going to do this weekend, you know, and even if it if, if everybody can't make it, we do something to sort of plant our flag in the fall and in the spring. You guys are getting a great insight into what our personal conversations are like about this, but um, just to do it twice, I think twice a year is great. That, um, and we'll have to see what we do for this year because last year was great. It was so much fun. It was awesome. Yeah. Andy, did I, you... I, I I tried to change it, and then I was talking, and you clearly couldn't hear me. So there must be something else going on. So I'm okay, just not don't worry about it. it. I'll yeah. play a song to get us into this, and then it's all good. Okay. Um, all right, here we go. <clears throat> Hey guys, it's Gene Steratore, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know I have never listened to the assembly call, and to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen, make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. We'll talk soon. Ryan's here, opening night of the NFL season. It's got to be the Gene Steratore opening. I'm Jared Morris here with Scott Caulfield, Ryan Phillips, Andy Bottoms. It is time to dive into schedule talk as the Big Ten schedule was released. There have been a lot of hot sports opinions on Twitter about this, and apparently Indiana got a very tough draw. Uh, and So I'm going to leave you three gentlemen to talk about this because I actually have to bounce here for a little while, and if I can make it back on before the end of the show, I will. But... You are all in very capable hands here. Andy, I will turn things over to you to talk about the schedule. All right. Well, so the Big Ten schedule, uh, as Jared mentioned, came out today. Uh, they had previously released the single plays and, and double plays, so I think everybody already had a a pretty good sense of, of the challenges that IU would face, obviously not the order of the games, which I think is probably where people are, are maybe now more attuned to the fact that things uh, – maybe more difficult than they originally thought, but figured we would just kind of go through this uh, in, in pieces here uh, as we look through it. And uh, to do that, you know, the first is we, we now have these, I'm not sure for how many seasons in a row it is these couple big 10 games in early December uh, to look, to look at, which uh, yeah, are, are, are always tricky. And, and interestingly enough for IU this year, they come in a really uh, an already difficult period of the schedule. So, uh, we'll kind of give the, the games coming right before and right after it. So they play North Carolina on Wednesday, November 30th, and then the two Big Ten games are sandwiched after that. Uh, the first of those comes on December 3rd, uh, which is a Saturday where they travel to Rutgers, to the Rack, or, well, I'm not going to acknowledge whatever it's called now. Um, it, will, it will always be the Rack to me. And, uh, and then December 7th on Wednesday, they play Nebraska. Uh, I know on Mind Your Banners, the the Zach and, and Dustin joke that it seemed like Nebraska was an annual uh, annual December game, whether it be in Bloomington or in Lincoln. And so that happens again. And then from there, IU travels the following Saturday to Las Vegas to play Arizona. And then the Saturday after that, they play at Kansas. So 
uh, a pretty tough five game stretch there. But uh, but Scott, as you look at these, you know, first couple Big Ten games, there's always you know one home, one road, so you're not going to get any breaks that way. But uh, is this a favorable start to the Big Ten schedule for IU, or uh, do do you automatically go into it and feel like, well, if we can just get out of this one and one, I'd feel okay. I mean, if we're looking to win the Big Ten or really compete, you got to go two and zero in those games. Uh, I mean, I don't. It's it is funny, you know. You mentioned it's like we always play Nebraska there. It does always seem like we play a version of like Nebraska, Penn State, Rutgers, or Minnesota there. Like I can't ever remember a time like we're playing Illinois, Michigan, or Michigan State or Purdue as one of our two December games. It feels like everybody kind of plays like the middle of the bottom of the big 10 at that point. Mr. Um, Michigan, go look at Michigan's schedule. Uh, they only play one game in December. They're playing Minnesota and then they don't play Maryland until January 1st. So I guess Michigan just doesn't have to do two of those games. Um, but no, I, I think, you know, again, as, as we talk about the expectations and we look at the rankings, you know, with that comes a team where, you know, Rutgers isn't going to be horrible, but if you think of the Big Ten as kind of like Indiana, Illinois, Michigan State, you know, Michigan, maybe Purdue, maybe Iowa, you know, none of the rankings, at least now, really have Rutgers or um, Nebraska in there. So those are two games you should win, especially in that stretch of five games. You know, you probably need to go three and two. Um, you got to get at least one, you know, hopefully one, maybe two of those. So looking at those games specifically, I think, you know, two and O is where you need to go from what we know now sitting in here, you know, in the middle of September. Um, I think what everybody's looking at is, you know, I'll lead into it like the end of the season. Although I, I, I do want to, I'll let someone else talk. I do want to hit on some of the other teams and their ends of season. It's interesting, but you know, our end of the season wrap up where you go at Michigan at Northwestern home to Illinois, at Michigan State, at Purdue, home to Iowa, home to Michigan. Um, that's a tough, you know, four out of five on the road, um, two against Michigan, which it feels like those two might be possibly for the Big Ten title. So it's not not relatively easy there. Um, but um, I'll try and back in with some other schedules. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's those are kind of the high-level thoughts when I looked at it the first time. Yeah, when you look at that stretch, Andy, early in the season, the at Rutgers and Nebraska – it's not Rutgers in Nebraska that raises the alarm for me. It's you play North Carolina and then a few days later you go to the rack or wherever, and then you play Nebraska. Okay. But then three days after that, you're playing Arizona and Vegas. And then a week later you're at Kansas. So it's not just those two games. It's everything surrounding it is the tough part. And that makes those games harder. You know, if you're, cause you're not getting tough game break, tough game break to, you're getting tough game then road conference game then a game you have to win against nebraska then you go play arizona and then you play kansas so there's no i mean it's just a pattern of really tough uh, uh games because you i mean look as, as scott said if you want to win the big 10 title you got to win both of those conference games and the non-conference i mean they don't matter as much as the conference games but you got to you figure of those three big games right there, UNC, Arizona, and Kansas, you've got to win at least one for sure. And then hopefully win 10 team. Uh, I think you think at Kansas is a loss because it's on, it's a true road game. Uh, if you're penciling things in and then North Carolina is a home game, you've kind of got to win that. Uh, and then Arizona neutral site, I guess is a coin toss. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's what makes those two games difficult for me is what's surrounding it. Um, if that was just regular non-conference 
garbage that Indiana's had, it's there's no question those are winnable games you should take. Yeah, the Rutgers one feels like good timing to play them. They'll still be in the early adjustment phase of the post-Ron Harper, Geo Baker era, so maybe better to play them early than late, but agree that, that feels like ones you, you really need to win if you want to contend for a Big Ten title, given how, uh, given how tricky things get from there. So then as we move into January, and I was going to – Kind of take this, I guess, month by month, although there's plenty of games in January, so maybe I'll break it down even more than that. Yeah, for, for the duration of January, IU basically alternates uh, home and, and road games. Uh, so they go at Iowa, Northwestern at home, at Penn State, Wisconsin at home, at Illinois, Michigan State at home, at Minnesota, and then they, they close the month with Ohio State at home and at Maryland. I mean, relatively speaking – this is the part of the schedule where they really need to make some hay in, in terms of, I think if, again, if you, if, if you put everything through the lens of you want to win the big 10, your home games in that month are Northwestern Wisconsin, who's retooling a bit uh, Michigan state who with is, you know, you've got Izzo, but I think there's question marks as are with every big 10 team in Ohio state. Like it, it feels to me that those are the, the kinds of home games that you need to win and the road games comparative to some of the ones you'll face later in the season at Iowa uh, it is difficult never really unclear what they're going to look like Chris Murray played really well uh, against IU last year obviously but uh, what their team will look like is is a bit of a question mark at Penn State one of the more winnable road games you'll get you do go to Illinois in that scenario uh, at Minnesota and then at Maryland Uh, again teams that are projected to be toward the lower half of the league so Feels to me, <laughs> Scott. I'll throw this to you first before we get into that tough stretch that you you reference. Like, this is one that I use. Got to have a really, really strong Big Ten record in January, based on the relative uh, relative easiness, I, I guess, uh, of those games. Maybe compared to to some others. Is that kind of how you interpret that, uh, and, and maybe build some confidence heading into the? the tough stretch that they end with, or or how do you kind of approach that part of the season? No, I definitely would. I mean, this is, and I I don't want to get into like, you know, winning the big 10, I should say, you know, getting a protected seed in the big 10 tournament, getting, getting a four seed would be nice. And finishing in the top four to to do that, you're going to have to kind of have the bowl rolling downhill. You you can't go into that back half of the schedule expecting to win real quick. I want to just, as we look at our non-conference and that rough stretch, and you talk about playing Michigan State on the 22nd. Just if you haven't looked at Michigan State's non-conference, um, you talk about an insane schedule. So they open up against Northern Arizona. That's fine. Here's the rest of their schedule. They play Gonzaga. They play Kentucky. They play Villanova. They play Alabama in a uh, tournament. Then they're either going to play, uh, I think, Oregon or I- Iowa State. And then they could play Villanova or North Carolina if they make it that far. And they play Notre Dame. And then they get into the Big Ten schedule with Northwestern Penn State. So, I mean, Michigan State could legitimately be like one and six, and we're not sure if they're good or not. Um, but now, of course, we get them in a, you know in that early January spot where maybe Izzo hasn't totally turned them around. But yeah, when you look at the back half, that that you know from February 11th on, it gets really tough. Um, you know, every home game. This was mentioned on you know inside the hall had this, and anybody with a calendar also can figure this out. 
all the home games in January are on weekends, which is kind of interesting. You don't get any of those kind of, you know, the, the Purdue game last year was, a, I think, a Tuesday night. You get kind of fun crowds sometimes on weeknights. These are all weekend crowds. There's also good crowds, but you have weekend games. You kind of have that alternating home away, home away. You don't have back-to-back road games. You also don't have back-to-back home games. But, yeah, you, you mentioned kind of the schedule there. And, again, I think something we'll be thinking about a lot is – you know, as IU fans, unfortunately, the last five or six years, we kind of look at it and be like, oh, man, you know, Penn State, we've had a tough time there in Iowa. That can be a tough place to play. And, you know, we haven't, you know, haven't had great luck against Northwestern at home. It's like, all right, if you're going to be top four in the Big Ten, then those are games you have, like, you got to start winning a lot of those games. And I think as fans, you know, that's something we need to start looking at the schedule and being a little more positive. It's like, all right, you know, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Ohio State, Purdue and Rutgers all at home you probably got to sweep those or at least lose, you know, look at losing one of those and the rest of those you, you got to win. And then those road games, like you mentioned, and you're looking at Maryland, Minnesota, Illinois, Penn state, and Iowa, as I look at it, based on where the rankings are in the big 10. Now, Illinois is the only game that looks like it could be really tough. The rest of those should be winnable games. I'm not saying we're going to go 10 and one, but I do think that as you look at this team, you know, if you're going to be third, fourth second in the big 10 um you're gonna have to be like eight and two (laughs) you don't just get to go you know 500 and then suddenly you know get to fourth spot in the big 10 so i do think we need to adjust our expectations on some of those games but yeah definitely january is where you're gonna have to make some hay and look to you know win the majority of those games and ryan hop in here in a second the other thing probably makes sense to call out before that is iu has I think 10 or 12 days off um, between I think it's Kennesaw state. They play right before Christmas and they don't play again until that Iowa game. So probably different schools of thought and whether a layoff that long is a, is a positive or a potential negative. But uh, I guess maybe with that as backdrop, Ryan, what are your, what are your thoughts on the January portion of the schedule? Well, I mean, just in general, an overview, one thing I want to say is, and this isn't specific about any teams they're playing, but just kind of something that hit me is, there's only three Sunday Big Ten games, which I think is good for the team because you get that Sunday off to, before you head into the week, and, and usually, and they don't have any Monday games, so you're getting two days off there essentially. Um, and the other thing is no Friday night games uh, in the Big Ten, and I know they were experimenting with that for a while. And Indiana on this year, which I think is a great thing. Play those Saturday. Play the weekend. Don't play a Friday. I mean, if you can, avoid it. It gives you more time to recover between games. Um, and, and I think it just gets you into a pattern where you're playing a weekday game, a weekend game, a weekday game, a weekend game. And that's, you know, I, the big 10 has tried to capitalize on, you know, prime time during week, you know, like a Friday or something a couple times, and it just hasn't worked. And the team doesn't play as well when it doesn't have that, you know, typical schedule. You don't play. I mean, very rarely do college football teams play on a Thursday or Friday night, very rarely. And there's a reason. You know, they don't play their best. They want to get the best product. So I think only three Sunday games in conference and no Friday games. I think it's both of those a big positive for Indiana. Yeah, it's interesting. It is a little bit more of a traditional, at least in January, more of you know, kind of the traditional Big Ten where it's either Thursday, Sunday or Wednesday, Saturday yep. combos there, uh, which give a little bit of rhythm to the season, which I think helps. They, they do end that that final game. Uh, on the last day of January is a two day at Maryland. And then they get into a, a few more Tuesday games uh, is a lot of Tuesday games, actually, as you get into to February, but 
but almost no, almost exclusively Tuesday, Saturdays in uh, in February versus what uh, what it is. So I think at least from a you know kind of getting yourself into a rhythm, I think there's some some positivity there. Um, so just running through February to this, and I know you've got to you got to leave here in a, in a minute. So I'll uh, I'll kind of run through the February schedule and then and then throw it to you uh, for your final thoughts on this. But you know things start off. Uh, as we talked about, everything was alternating home and road. Start February with two home games, Purdue and Rutgers, uh, followed by two road games at Michigan, at Northwestern. Really, that at Michigan game starts a really tough, really tough stretch of games uh, uh, down to the end. They play four of the final seven uh, on the road. They are at Michigan, at Northwestern, Illinois at home, at Michigan State, at Purdue, Iowa, and Michigan. So. If you figure most are projecting teams like Michigan, Purdue, Illinois, maybe Michigan State around the, the top of the league in, in most projections, uh, the vast majority of your games in February are against teams that are in that mix. The only exceptions are really Rutgers at home, at Northwestern, uh, and Iowa at home uh, as you look at those. Everything else is against teams who you would project to be contenders, which essentially is why it feels so important to get a have a pretty gaudy big 10 record coming out of January because there are a lot of tough games uh, there down the stretch. So, you know, Scott, give, give us a, you know, maybe a, a three game stretch that really may make or break things uh, down that February, February run. Three game stretch. Well, I mean, I was going to say the other thing too, is we, we do have to remember that, you know, last year, I'm doing the numbers here in my head real quick. We went what four and eight to finish off the big 10 schedule at the end of the year. So they, they didn't play their best basketball at the end of this, at the end of the big 10 season, they definitely turned it on into the tournament. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to be a, I'm not going to answer your question. Cause I'm not sure I have an answer to it, but what I would say is as I look at the <laughs> other, well, our, our schedule is really tough. There's no doubt about that. When you look at like Michigan's schedule to end the year, um, you know, when you look at us bookending with them, like they play, you know, Indiana at home for Michigan. They're at Wisconsin, home to Michigan State at Rutgers, Wisconsin at Illinois, at Indiana. That's a pretty tough schedule for Michigan as well to finish off their season. But when you look at Illinois, their last few games are at Penn State at Indiana, home Northwestern at, at Ohio State, Michigan, and then at Purdue that seems relatively easier. So you do wonder if like Illinois is going to have the easier path. And it's so hard in like September to look at this. Like I'm going off of, you know, Bart Torvik's rankings, of the big 10, and you're kind of going off of where people are projected. Like again, you know, Michigan state, their path looks a little bit easier. So just when you look at kind of where people would be theoretically projected right now, it does look like that we have one of the hardest last, you know, six or seven game stretches out there maybe us and Michigan. And then, you know, that would be my, you know, does that leave the door open for Illinois or Michigan state to kind of sneak in? Because we're going to be basically playing us and Michigan are going to be playing each other, you know, two times to finish off. But, you know, to answer a three game stretch, I think that, you know, it's probably going to be that it has to be a five game stretch. I'm not answering the question, you know, Illinois on to the rest of the way, you know, you that game home against Illinois on February 18th, it's right. The only, um, you know, that's one of the hardest games Illinois is going to have to finish off their schedule. So that's a game you, you really sh- could try and win at home. It's so tough to say it's in September. I know I said it like five times, but then, you know, two road games and home Iowa, Michigan. I mean, I, 
I have a hard time pinpointing what a three game stretch would be, but I just, as I look at it, I think that both Indiana and Michigan have pretty tough roads. Illinois and Michigan state don't based on what we know now. Um, but yeah, it's it did us no favors, but it'll be a fun February. And you know what, if we're going to win the big 10, we're definitely going to earn it. That's for damn sure. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, Scott, we know you, I know you, you yep, run, sorry, so to, sorry to have to bail, this, but thank you guys. Uh, tonight and, uh, Hey, no problem. Looking forward to uh, the Crimson Cast content over the football season. So, thanks, man. We'll talk to you. Uh, talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Uh, so, so Ryan's. We kind of circle back. I mean, the three game stretch that stood out to me. Uh, Scott alluded to it. Was you, know, you come back off those couple road games at Michigan, at Northwestern, and then you've got Illinois at home, at Michigan State, at Purdue. Uh, assuming even the early February games don't go terribly poorly, and you take care of business at home, um, you know that three game stretch really becomes important important because assuming you're in the, the race at that point that is a potential three-game losing streak that I don't think individually if you looked at those games and said you lost any one of those games it would be shocking and for a team that has had issues with letting things snowball uh, from a record perspective down the stretch in in a variety of recent seasons uh, that's probably the part that that makes me the most worried but is there a, a section of that that uh, really stands out to you that is maybe a make or break uh, stretch there in, in no, the uh, February slash early March section. No, Andy, we agree completely, which is longtime followers of this show. know that doesn't happen all the time. Um, but th- that's the stretch that stands out to me is you play Illinois, who is supposed to be one of the better teams in the conference Homer away. They don't seem to care over the years. They have beaten Indiana at Indiana a number of times. Um, but then at Michigan State, I don't care how good or bad that team is. It's always difficult to beat them at home, especially for Indiana. And then at Purdue, it's a rivalry game can go either way. Um, even if Purdue's not good, even if Indiana's not good, whatever, those games tend to be battles because it's a rivalry game. And that's true in most sports. Um, so that's a three-game stretch where, as you said, wouldn't be shocking if you pulled those games out individually and they lost all three. Um So, and that again, and then you play Iowa at home and then Michigan at home to finish the season. So it's that three game stretch leads into two games that could be awkward and difficult in their own right. Uh, But that's the stretch that stood out to me. Absolutely. It's the same one that that you picked. I think, you know, at Michigan and then at Northwestern, which is tends to sometimes be an awkward place for Indiana to play. Obviously it's different teams, different coaching staffs, whatever. I mean, they lost last year, but that's because a bunch of guys were suspended. Um, and then having to play Illinois at home, that's a weird stretch. But the, the Illinois at Michigan State at Purdue is, I think, that's that's three big ones right in a row. And if you had that in early January, you don't feel as bad about it, I think, because you're like, well, they can make up for it. There's no making up for it at that part of the season. And you got to make hay, as you said, early in the season so that you give yourself some leeway there. Yeah, how do you view the – I think it was – I think you touched on this a little bit earlier. Um but interesting that there's so many weekend home games in conference. And I, I kind of look at it. I, you think you can make an argument both ways. I think it was you, you had alluded to the, you know, Purdue game last year. Maybe that's just the thing with it being the Purdue game on a, on a Tuesday night, get the students in there and things like that. Do you think that's a, a advantage though, where by the same token, you may have other fans who may not be able to make the trip as easily on a, uh, on a weeknight or things like that. I mean, where do you net out on that? Is it a net positive or, or a negative? 
I tend to think the students are better on weeknights and the rest of the fans are better on weekends. Um, but a lot of those are afternoon games too on weekends and not a night game and night games do seem to have a bit more of a crazy crowd. I mean, having experienced it myself, uh, Saturdays are, you know, a more muted crowd, I think. Um, personally in my experience and and we're talking not like event games not like a big 10 acc challenge or uh you know i know those are weeknight games too but you know an, a, a regular non-conference game on a saturday tends to have a little extra juice if it's a good team um but the regular mundane big 10 games tend to be a little more subdued on a weekend and so yeah that is interesting and that is different i mean that said, if the team's good and competitive, I think that crowd gets up for it regardless of when it is. Um, it has to do with the engagement level of of the the fans during the season. So <clears throat> I think the crowd will be fine uh, if they're competitive. And I think that, you know, they'll have that energy regardless. Um, but, the, you know, I will say also you want those Tuesday night crowds to be good those Tuesday, Wednesday night crowds to be good. Like one of them is they play Rutgers at home on a Tuesday. You're going to need the crowd in that game because it's probably, it might be a letdown game coming after a Saturday Purdue game, you know? And, and so maybe you want that crowd on a lesser game. Um, also maybe going on the road on a weeknight somewhere else, the students don't show up, you know, it's different than IU. Maybe the students don't show up as, as strong some nights on the weeknights. So I, I don't know. We'll see. I like, I tend to think that it's more about the team than it is about, you know, it's about how the team's doing versus, you know, what it's typically like on a weeknight. Um, so we'll see. I mean, that'll put, definitely be put to the test this year because there are not a lot of weeknight home games in the big take a quick break. And then we'll come back and answer a handful of questions that we got from our community. So stick with us here on the assembly call. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash match. Just go to indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. 
Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. The only three questions, because the other one I think he had put in here if Scott was going to be able to stay on. So uh, I think we only got these three. So we'll... Uh, cool. We've done an hour already, so... We'll hit... We'll hit them. We'll hit these. Yeah, we got pretty pretty deep into the schedule. The other hard part about the schedule is, man, you just for as much as you think you know who's going to be, I, mean, I just think back to Wisconsin. You know, heading into last season, you would have thought, oh, that's a team you'd be happy to play with. You know, with who they lost and everybody thinking they're going to take a step back, and then that doesn't really end up being how it is. So, there's always a couple teams like that where you think oh, I lucked out by getting to play this team twice and. Perhaps that is uh, perhaps that is not the case. So yeah, and there's we'll, always one team uh, we'll that pops every year that's good that you're not expecting to be good, and I think there's always a team that disappoints. Um, you hope that's yeah. not you, uh, but but you know, so yeah. you're, there are games you're dreading that wind up being, you know. But I mean, it was you know, then there are games where you're not expecting anything and you get a dogfight. So you don't know until you start playing the games. Yep, agreed. So, all right. Well, we will uh, we'll hop back in here and answer these few questions, and we'll let everybody get uh, get back to their Thursday evening. So, what's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers! All right, welcome back to the assembly call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips, and uh, it's now time for our mailbag. All questions, as usual, were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, so just a few questions this week. did have one that was about specific to the schedule, which I think we hit earlier. Um, but uh, Ryan, the first one comes from Andrew. Does Trace earn season-ending All-American honors this season? Does any other Hoosier, uh, who, why, and what likelihood? Um, I would say yes for Trace. I don't know if it'll be first team, but I'm sure he will get all, all American recognition. I think part of that is he'll come into the season with that kind of hype. And I think that that tends to carry you rarely. I mean, it's very rare that a guy with no hype winds up on an all America team, unless he leads the nation in scoring or puts up enormous, you know, I mean, puts up ridiculous. I don't think, and we've gone on record. I think we all think that Trace's numbers may actually go down a little this year while his efficiency numbers go way through the roof, just because he's surrounded by better talent. Um, but yes, I, I would likelihood I'd go above 50% that it happens um, that he's on one of the teams, especially given how he closed last season. Uh, I think that if he can carry that through, maybe round out his game a little bit, and there'll be some pressure taken off him. So I don't think he'll be so worn down. It stretches the big 10 season. I would say above 50%, he winds up on an all America team. Um, any other Hoosiers? I don't think so. I think Xavier Johnson will get some uh, big 10 recognition. I think trace uh, uh, race Thompson will also get, some, it will also be in line for some big 10 recognition. Um, and you might get Jalen Hutchifino in a freshman of the year conversation. I don't know if that'll happen, but I think that he might be in discussion uh, for the freshman teams. Uh, I don't know about All-American, but um, 
certainly in the Big Ten. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's really what you're looking at. Uh, the usual suspects, the three guys you would expect, and 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 Ray Thompson too. So four guys you would expect to get some recognition in the mix. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with you. I think it's I, historically, I would imagine it's pretty uncommon for a guy off the radar to start the season would kind of surpass a teammate who was already on the All-American right. uh, watch list and stuff. In radar, if you will, uh, to, to do that. So that seems fairly unlikely. But yeah, I think Trace, you know, particularly if IU ends up being a, a top 20, top 15 team throughout most of the season, they compete in the Big Ten and, and he continues to be the focal point. Uh, I think he's the guy that's going to get the uh, the accolades. You've just got a lot of a lot of talented big guys coming back. It's it's one of those where probably if you force people to make all American teams into teams that would actually uh, that would actually you put on a floor together at the same time. Probably this would be a weird year for it because you got so many uh, big guys back with uh, with with Timmy, with Trace, with Hunter Dickinson. Um, you know all that. I think you'd I think you'd probably have kind of an odd odd mix this time but that's not usually how it works and you can if you want to throw five forwards on there or five big guys like people are, are able to do that so uh but yeah i think it's it's trace or, or nobody uh would be my guess yeah uh jeffrey asked will a conference finish outside the top three be considered a major disappointment this season kind of an interesting question uh to look at today in light of the schedule coming out um but what's your what's your thoughts on that are you asking me if it would be a disaster, Andy? Is that the? <laughs> I, I'm not. Nor nor is Jeffrey. That is not a word uh, that he used. Uh, not a word to be tossed Throwing around, around willy nilly yeah. to uh, you know. Uh, to just so my there. so my thing every year is finishing the top four, and so I I'll stretch it to four instead of three because I think that that top quadrant is what you aim for every year. Top four, as I've always said about this, what you want to do with a program like IU is consistently finishing the top four and it consistently reached the sweet 16. And then there's the odd year where you do better than that. But that should be your goal every year. It's sort of like if you're a college football team, your goal should be to win your conference, whether or not you get into the, I mean, now you're going to automatically be getting into the, the, the college football playoff in the future, but like control what you can control, which is you can control a top four finish and you can control getting to the sweet, getting out of the first weekend of the tournament. Those are the two things. Other than that, it's going to be a lot of luck of the draw, a lot of schedule stuff, and depending on injuries and all of that stuff. So I would say outside the top four this year, yes, that would be a, a disappointing season, I believe. Now, it's it's one thing if, you know, you're tied record-wise for fourth and, you know, with a couple other teams and you wind up sixth as a result or something like that. I mean, you, okay, there's some leeway there. But I think you need to be in the mix at the top of the conference. And usually the top four is in the mix at the top of the conference. With this roster, with everyone coming back, yes, it would be a disappointment to be outside of that top group, in my opinion. And, and it would be a disappointment to not make it to the Sweet 16 and potentially beyond. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a tough question because I think normally you would look at – I guess I'm going to assume a couple things here. I'm going to assume that, that most – publications or people making predictions are going to put IU as a preseason favorite. At least if you, if you aggregated those up, you may see different things here and there from, from different places. But I think if you took all those on average and figured out where the big 10 teams were, I think, I think on it, on balance, IU is going to be the favorite. And I think if you, if you, if you look at it that way, I think most of the time you would say, Hey, a team that is a favorite in a league probably shouldn't finish outside of the top three. 
Yeah. Now, the question you end up asking yourself is, is IU the favorite because they're really the best or because they're the team that you know the most about the guys who are coming back? Uh, and that's where it's a little bit harder to tell. You, you know, you can look up and down. And we've Almost talked about like this by default. The yeah. Yeah. You, you, it's kind of like, well, I know this guy, this guy, this guy played well at the end of the season. Seem like they, they maybe have the fewest question marks. Now, people who follow the program closely w- may disagree in terms of what the question marks really are. But if you if you lay them out against some of the other Big Ten teams, I, I think they do have, in, in some ways, fewer question marks. So I, I, I don't know that it would be a, a massive disappointment, and especially when you look at what the schedule is. I, I think a lot of that goes into how you get there. Um, if you start out really strong and kind of fade down the stretch, I think that does become a disappointment because you feel like you've got a largely veteran team who should be able to to, to not go into these you know long slumps at the end of the season. If you're just kind of slugging it out and the Big Ten is very balanced and you end up fourth or fifth, but you know, two games out of first place, I don't know that that uh, I don't know that that feels terrible. So I, a long answer for saying not, I'm not sure, I guess. But um, but I think you could see it both ways. I think it's a little bit of how it materializes. But I also I think a lot of that comes from being the projected favorite for for whatever it's worth. Um, I did see in the chat, uh, Quang had asked if I had an early preseason early bracketology. This this is too early for me. I'll leave that to uh, Lenardi and, and Palm, who get paid to do that stuff. That they can uh, if they want to. Uh, hypothesize about who's going to be there. I'll, I'll leave that to them, and I'll usually do one right before the season starts. But uh, I am starting to at least consume some some uh, preview content, so we're we're at least getting close to thinking about it. Uh, and then last question from Brian: uh, What game is is the gang going to? Lots of options. So I know Ryan touched on this earlier. Planted his flag on the Purdue game. I will go through what the other options could be. Uh, and again, as we talked about it before, it is. Uh, almost always the preference is a Saturday game uh, at home. So our options, if you use those as the, uh, and I'm not doing, I'm not throwing in the the December, uh, the December game. So if you look starting in January, first Saturday home game is against Wisconsin on January 14th. Uh, there's also two weeks after that Saturday, January 28th versus Ohio state at home. Then a week later, you get that Purdue game that Ryan referenced. Uh, and then the final Saturday home game is against Illinois uh, on February 18th. So uh, really not a bad option in the bunch. I mean, we could all, uh, I think I'm not going to be in the business anymore of assuming that Wisconsin is going to take a dramatic step back and that that game would be uh, the most winnable of the, uh, of the group. But uh, you know, choices of Wisconsin, Ohio state, Purdue and Illinois suggest that no matter what, it'll probably be a pretty good game, but yeah, so I, I guess Ryan, you've already you've planted your flag on the yeah. first one. So what would your what would your second choice be? I think the uh, the, Ill- the Illinois game. I think, and and you have to remember that January for me is hard with the NFL because of the NFL playoffs, and I have to work, and so it's hard to take those days off of work for me. Um, I know this isn't a built solely around me. We've got other three other co-hosts, so I try and be as accommodating as possible. I would say we're also not competing with the NFL when we do it on a weekend where there isn't playoff football. And so anybody who's a fan of those teams that are participating can take it off. Like we do not want to do it around the Super Bowl. Like that's we would never do that just because people want to watch the Super Bowl or build their weekend around the Super Bowl. So I would say the fourth of February and the 18th of February, the most likely 
um, if people are are looking to plan out. Um, you're right. Wisconsin seems to be the most winnable of those games. I don't know what Ohio State's going to look like this year, but they tend to be a dogfight every time. That's conference championship weekend for me, so that's that's a difficult one, the Ohio State one. But um, I would say if I had to do them in order, I would say Purdue game, just because A, it's Purdue. B, it's a great week for it schedule-wise. C, I love that going, you know, doing that game. Uh, two would be the Illinois game on the 18th of February. Three would be Wisconsin on the 14th. And last would be the Ohio State weekend. As far as feasibility, yep. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think quality of game, I think you'd probably your top two would be the same. And then maybe you flip the other two, at least based on what yeah. you think it's going to be. Ohio State's got a lot of new guys. So um, a lot of question marks there. And then Wisconsin certainly looking to, um, to to replace a lot of a lot of firepower as well. So uh, I think Ohio State projected by most to be maybe a fringe top twenty five team. So from a quality of game standpoint, that one probably comes in third for me. But uh, breaking news now, Ari is Ari is chipping in with uh, if if the eighteenth you then have uh, IU pretty women the day after. So now if you want to do a a weekend double of games, perhaps that adds a new new wrinkle that I am. Uh, ill-prepared to uh, to discuss. I have breaking news. Coach Donsoni has chimed in with his selection. He would like to go to the Purdue game. So, I mean, that's 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 a powerful vote right there in favor of my choice of the Purdue game. So, I'm going to go ahead and uh, and 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 you know make sure I insist on counting that vote double when the four of us sit down to vote. So, I like that you're insisting that you're like the only one who would think it would be a good idea to come to the Purdue game. That somehow, well, you guys usually just disagree with me. That somehow you've broken intellectual ground by saying, "Man, it'd be really cool to come to the IU Purdue game." It's like, yes, of course it would. There's no, there's no reason to think. Well, no, you guys just always agree disagree (laughs) with me out of spite. So I figured, you know, I got to push this really, really hard. My challenge is I never know what I have going on from a uh, from a kid kid perspective, and and we we can't really wait on that because it it takes so long to to do that. So like we got lucky uh, last year, you guys. We we yeah we ended up getting like snowed out at our game here, iced out or something. So it worked out all right, other than the result of the game, of course. But yeah, no, it uh, uh, it was it was great that you guys got to come last year, last minute. It was awesome. Yeah. So we will uh, we'll do our best to get it planned early so that we can let people know and you can make accommodations. We'll. uh, work on that and, and obviously we'll want to try to reserve uh presumably switchyard but uh some venue of some kind for uh the actual meetup so all that will be taken into account and we'll let everybody know as soon as possible so we can we can all look ahead to it and plan accordingly but uh with that that'll do it for this week's episode of the assembly call if you want to see us do the show live join us at assemblycall.com on thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music. And thanks to John Ringer of RigDesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you not on Saturday from Switchyard. As this says, see, this is already, this run sheet is already clearly prepping uh, for the meetup. Uh, but we'll talk to you next Thursday unless something, uh, something breaks. And uh, we will see you then. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers.
everybody. Thanks. We appreciate you uh, coming out this evening. Coach is booking hotel rooms. He's got uh, he's getting go everything and, planned out. So let me go ahead and book a couple we as good. well, just in case. I, I was going to say, yeah, you you may be wise before uh, any of them wise up to what the schedule is going to be and start jacking the rates up to uh, yeah to do that. So yeah, anyway. we we decided right, well. We decided very late last year, everybody. I mean, it was so great that everybody could make it, but we decided very, I remember last year, it was like, we decided in like late November or something or December when to do it. So it's great if we could get it sorted out just for everybody early. Yeah, it does help that it's uh, it's it's kind of back to a little more normal Big Ten. Yeah. There was a couple of years there where it was just hard to even just find weekend games. I think period. last year there was only uh, one Saturday. I feel like game. they've stepped it. Yeah, I feel like they've stepped. I mean, it's certainly from the IU schedule, it looks like they've stepped completely away from, you know, trying to have games on different days. It feels a little bit more uh, traditional in terms of when the games are. I don't know yeah. if that happens to. Uh, I don't know if that's just an IU thing. Uh, I, I sincerely doubt it. That maybe they've they've stepped away from doing some of the, uh, you know, kind of odd game days and different things yeah. like that. But either way, that helps us. Uh, certainly, the inventory of games to pick from for us is far greater this year than it has been in years past. So hopefully that. That helps everything out as well. So, all right, all right awesome. Guys. Well, I'm assuming Jared is somewhere. I did text him that he could uh, turn this off because I am not logged in to the assembly call account and cannot turn it off. So this will either go on in uh, perpetuity with either of no one on camera, or we'll uh, figure it out after that. So, at any rate, uh, Bye, everybody. We'll, we'll talk to everybody next week. Thanks for joining us and uh, enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Later, guys.